Act Three of Lady Huntsworth's Experiment by R. C. Carton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. Seeing the Vicarage Library according to plan. Time early next morning. When the act opens, the stage is dark but the morning sun shines in through the chinks of the shutters. Lucy enters in white biking costume. She steals downstairs, puts jacket on chair right, crosses to O.P. windows, opens shutters and draws curtains, crosses to back and does the same, then waves handkerchief to Thorsby and runs upstairs again, stands looking off to see no one has heard after a moment Thorsby enters, steals to balustrade, and kisses Lucy's hand, which is on the balustrade. Darling. Hush. Mustn't I? On our wedding day? No. Oh. At least whatever you wish to convey me must be done in dumb show. I see. He kisses her. Mind my hat. Looks off. When we have been married a few years, you'll realise that my hats must be treated very respectfully. I suppose the household is still in bed. Yes. Crosses to settle and sits on right end. I crept downstairs feeling like a burglar. I had one awful moment. I stumbled over Auntie's shoes. They were outside her door. My dearest, that was rather careless. Leans on post. Careless? Auntie's shoes aren't easy to avoid in a narrow passage. It was all right. Uncle and Auntie were still asleep. I could hear them. And Captain Dorveston? Oh, I expect Jack was asleep too, not dreaming the hour of his emancipation was at hand. Poor old Jack. I wish he was coming with us. Hmm. Do you? I wish he could have given me away. I hardly share that feeling. You don't know him. He'd have done it in a minute if I'd asked him. I'd have told him all about it, only he's such a clumsy old duffer. He might have given me away in a different sense. You seem to place great reliance on his affection for you. He has tons of affection for me, tons. But not love, at least not the business article you and I deal in. Thorsby goes to embrace her. She waves him off. By the way, Harry... She is putting on her gloves. There are one or two points we have never properly settled. What are they? I mean to be a clinking parson's wife. Darling. Moves to her. She waves him off as before. Hold on. I mean to be a clinking parson's wife, but I have my limitations. Church on Sunday. How many times? Thorsby hesitatingly. Three? Oh, no. Mornings generally, evenings sometimes, afternoons never. Never? Never. Thorsby moves to centre. Lucy rises and follows. Now you're shocked. Your face has grown a couple of inches longer. Well, if I'm not orthodox enough for you, it's off, and I'll go back to bed again. Moves to go. Lucy, dear. Catches her arm. In answer to what you said, I shall merely exact one promise. Which is? That in all things, and in all seasons, you will do or not do whatever you please. Do you promise? Lucy, after slight pause, she puts left hand on shoulder. Harry, I do promise. It shall be exactly as you say. Indeed, indeed, I'll keep my word. Now then, fasten my glove. And we'll go and get it over. He proceeds to fasten her glove as Caroline enters, carrying a small tray with coffee, bread and butter, etc. She also carries a large shoe under her arm. Caroline at top of stairs. I beg your pardon. Lucy and Thorsby are much startled. Thorsby moves away towards table right centre. Cook! Dear me. I hope I didn't startle you. Oh, no. Not at all. Caroline comes down and stands at bottom of stairs. 
I thought you might like a cup of coffee. Smiling. To help you face the ordeal. Was that why you wanted to know last night what time I meant to start? No, I told you I wanted to think of you and wish you luck. The coffee was an afterthought. I see. Won't you both sit down and have it comfortably? Is it safe to wait? Crosses up centre and looks off anxiously. Quite. Keziah? Keziah is not awake. I wrapped the alarm in a blanket. Lucy crosses to top, Thorsby to right, Cook crosses to top of chair, and puts tray on table and shoe on chair left. Lucy and Thorsby then sit. It has probably dawned on you, Harry, that Cook is a good friend of ours. It has indeed. He rises, bows, sits again. Cook was once young herself. It was some years ago, but she hasn't forgotten the circumstances. To Lucy. Milk and sugar? Thanks. She holds Cook to her. Mr. Thorsby? If you please. Two lumps. She hands Cook to him. Bread and butter? They both take some. It isn't up to much, yesterday's loaf, but it was the best I could do. And how do you both feel? Nervous? Beastly nervous. Eating. Thorsby eating. The moment is naturally a solemn one. I feel anxious, but not nervous. Takes up cup and drinks. Oh, it's all right for you. You've tied up such a lot of poor, misguided people that you know the words backwards. It's different with me. I know I shall bungle it. There are only three words that really signify. Which three? Love, honour, and obey. I think I can manage the first two, but I mean to slur the third. Thorsby drops cup in saucer. Cough or sneeze or something. Thorsby to Caroline, smiling. That sounds rather an alarming prospect. Don't you pity me? Caroline glancing at Lucy and also smiling. No, I don't think I do. Crosses centre. How do you go to church? Lucy rising. We are going to bike there. By the by, would you tell somebody, Auntie or Jack, anybody will do, that I've run over to see my friend, Jenny Thornton, and they're not to wake breakfast? Thorsby, rising. My dear Lucy, ought we to involve a third person in our deception? The third person hasn't a very tender conscience in such matters. To Lucy. I'll tell your little fib for you with pleasure. Lucy leans over chair, sees shoe. There, Harry, I knew she would. Thank you, Cook. Taking up the shoe, which Cook has placed on a chair. What's this? I wanted to throw a shoe after you, and that was the only one I could find. It's one of your aunts. She put it outside her door to be cleaned. Dear me, it looks rather formidable. It is large. We'll hope that the luck it brings will be proportionate. Now, I should say it was time for you to go. Thorsby going up to window. Yes, I don't think we ought to delay. Lucy puts shoe down again, crosses up to window, and down to below table centre. All right, come along. Stop a second, though. I say, Harry, have you got everything? Thorsby returns from right. Got everything? Cook crosses to back of table and puts things on tray. Everybody's fee. I should like to do the thing well. Yes. How about the ring? Eh? Oh, yes, I... Searching his pockets. I bought it yesterday. Still searching. Very likely, but have you got it with you today? I certainly think so. I have a distinct recollection of putting it in my waistcoat pocket. Still searching. You've lost it. To cook. There's a pretty mess. Ah, here it is. Cook crosses to centre. There is a hole in the pocket and it slipped down into the lining. Lucy to Cook. Thank goodness. That would have been a nice thing, wouldn't it? Caroline to Lucy. Will you wear this? It's only syringa, but it looks like orange blossom. Lucy and Thorsby exchange glances. I picked it for you this morning. Lucy fixing it. You have been kind to me, and I've no means of thanking you. Will you stoop down and let me kiss you? 
cook does so i'm afraid that's all i can do i'm quite repaid i fancy mr thorsby agrees with me lucy crosses up to window thorsby goes upright a little takes lucy's coat with him good-bye may i add my thanks also not at all good-bye lucy crosses down again to cook it isn't good-bye we're coming back as soon as it's over and we mean to tell everything to everybody so we shall see you again one never knows what may happen i think we'll make it good-bye puts hand on lucy's shoulder now go along and get married and live happily ever after as they do in the fairy tales thorsby goes out of the window lucy follows but turns and kisses her hand they go cook follows them to the veranda and throws shoe as she returns for tray dorverston enters from o p door hello good morning caroline at top of table good morning rather a close shave i beg your pardon nothing is taking up tray dorverston at top of table right of cook look here don't go i want to have half a word with you well i saw to that little job yes i put him in the ditch thanks did he say anything dorverston top of table he muttered something about another whisky and that he would like to be called about nine now would you mind telling me a little bit about it give you my word it ain't mere curiosity it's interest in you and everything that concerns you caroline at back of chair left i told you the chief thing last night mr crail was my husband at one time you say he was your husband yes we are divorced oh was that it pause i haven't known your uh, i haven't known crail more than a day or two but i can see he's an awful little swine i suppose he treated you anyhow yes is there anything else you would like me to tell you it's extraordinary good of you to give me your confidence you've earned it takes tray and turns dorverston crosses behind her to her left well then i say what are we going to do now see to the breakfast no no i mean about miss pillinger and the broom cupboard there'll be an infernal row and i'm afraid you'll get beans caroline smiles i'm used to handling all kinds of vegetables dorverston laughs too as i told you last night it doesn't matter dorverston sits left of table but by george it does matter when i asked you then to let me be of use to you i put it to you as a favour now i ask it as a right i got you into this mess simply through my beastly clumsiness and you've got to let me see you through it somehow caroline back of table news has reached me in a rather roundabout way that i have come into some money so you see i'm independent of miss pillinger and the broom cupboard really really you're not pulling my leg caroline smiling no then i'm devilish glad for your sake and devilish sorry for my own i thought at last i saw my way to doing you a turn caroline places her hand on chair at back of dorverston my life hasn't been a very pleasant one but in one respect i've been lucky i have known two men who honestly tried to befriend a woman who was the other chap his name is carruthers not old bob rises and back centre caroline affirmatively old bob why he's a dear pal of mine is he and did he try to be a pal to you i was thinking of his kindness to lady huntworth ah how about lady huntworth do you know her yes smiling we are rather intimate like myself she was unfortunate in her choice of a husband huntworth brought the divorce didn't he yes thinking he saw his way to marrying another woman with another fortune he brought his suit against his wife and your friend damn him 
pardon, couldn't help it. Crosses and kneels on chair left of table. The whole thing was utterly untrue, and I know she asked Bob to join her in making no defence rather than remain Lady Huntworth. The only thing that rather fogs me is, when the verdict was once given, why didn't Bob marry her? He did suggest it. Well? She said no. Why did she do that? She knew he didn't care for her, nor she for him, at least not in that way. Dorveston rises crossing centre. Still, it was game of her to refuse. There ain't many women placed as she was who'd have done it. Goes up and leans on balustrade, thinking. Perhaps not. Pause takes up tray and crosses centre. As she moves centre, Dorveston turns and places hand on tray. I must go now. No, wait one minute. I'm going on duty directly. My duty is to make Lucy a happy little woman, and I mean to do it. But you seem to be going down rather a lonely road, and I want you to remember that somewhere or other there is an old duffer lumbering around the world who will never forget you. Will you remember? I shall remember. Pulls Trey away. Now I really can't stay any longer. Crosses to first step. Dorveston holding out his hand. I say. She turns, places tray on balustrade. Will you? Of course. Why not? They shake hands. Supposing I'd been a free man, do you think you could? Oh. Draws hand away and takes up tray, moves to second step. That opens out a very large question. I haven't time to answer that. Dorveston touches her on shoulder. She turns. I wonder if we shall ever come across each other in the future? Caroline looking at him. More unlikely things have happened. Mount's third step turns to him. Exit. Dorveston sinks into big chair lost in thought. Takes out cigarette case. Gandhi enters door right and is crossing the stage. Good morning. Gandhi crosses from O.P. to Steps. Morning. Got a match about you? No. Crosses to Mantle. There should be a box here. Goes to Mantle. There is. He brings them to Dorveston. Dorveston taking them rises. Thanks. I suppose the papers haven't come yet? They haven't. You seem a trifle down. Not quite your own bright self, are you? Lights a cigarette. I ain't. You went to see your mother, didn't you? Yes. Hope you found her feeling fit? She's fit enough. It's me. What's the matter? Hands back matches. We'll cutlet for supper. That's what's the matter. Dorveston crosses up back to window. Gandhi puts matches on mantelpiece. I've always done my duty by my mother, so I picked a bit, and then I went to bed and dreamt I was superintending my own funeral. Wheel cutlet. Crosses up steps. Mother gets above herself. Dorveston at window. Have you tried a drop of brandy? I have. First step. I should try another. Gandhi, second step. I mean to. Dorveston strolls out through the window and off right. Miss Pillinger enters left, Gandhi giving way. Gandhi, can you tell me what has happened to my shoes? No. I put them outside my door last night, but this morning I find one of them still unclean and the other has disappeared. You haven't seen it, I suppose. I haven't. Very singular. Crosses to window up back. Gandhi goes upstairs. Have you seen Miss Lucy? She is not in her room. No. Mr Pillinger enters left. Gandhi gives way. He has cut his cheek while shaving, and is wearing a piece of black sticking plaster. Good morning. 
Good morning, Audley. Pillinger to Gandy. Has the post come? No, it ain't. He goes off left. You appear to have had an accident. Accident? In completing your toilette. Eh? Uh, oh, yes. The razor slipped. My nervous system is slightly disorganized. The result of last night? Pillinger startled. Last night? I, er, uh, <coughs> uh, fail to understand you. I was referring to your indisposition. Oh, ah, exactly. Crosses to window. Are you going out? I thought the fresh morning air might be beneficial. I must ask you to remain. I have the most painful subject to talk over with you. Sits right. Need we deal with it now? Painful subjects should never be discussed on an empty uh, before breakfast. It does not admit of delay. We may have to face a serious scandal. Pillinger crosses to chair left. Scandal? I trust, Hannah, you are weighing your words very carefully. I am not in the habit of speaking heedlessly. What I have to tell you refers to Cook. Dorverston appears at the window. He has Miss Pillinger's shoe in his hand. And to Captain Dorverston. Dorverston enters smoking. Ah, here is <coughs> uh, Captain Dorverston. He crosses to left and indicates to Dorverston that Miss Pillinger is in the room. Dorverston throws cigarette away and comes to top of chair right centre. Good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. Miss Pillinger bows frigidly. Dorverston crosses to chair. Anna was just, uh, <coughs> uh, mentioning as you entered that, uh, <coughs> you... Dorverston quietly beating the back of chair with shoe. Yes, I fancied I caught my name. What were you saying, ma'am? I was saying, Captain Dorverston. She notices the shoe. What are you doing with that shoe? Just picked it up. Why did you touch it? Your doing so seems to me to be strangely wanting in delicacy. Don't see anything indelicate in picking up an old shoe. I found it on the garden path. My shoe? On the garden path? Yours? I thought it was Gandhi's. If you thought to keep me a prisoner in my room by the removal of my shoe, the expedient was abortive. I have several other pairs. Don't know what the deuce you're driving at, ma'am. Sorry I disturbed the thing. Shall I put it back? I will thank you to restore it to me. Dorverston hands shoe and Miss Pillinger crosses and puts it on cabinet right. Thank you. She returns and sits left of table. Now, with your permission, I will resume what I was saying to Mr. Pillinger when you came in. The men exchange glances. I warned you last night I should consider it my duty to acquaint Lucy with the details of my very painful discovery. Dorverston starts to go off at window. Pillinger follows his example upstairs. But I find she has gone out for a walk. At least so I imagine. Well, Audley. Audley! Miss Pillinger calls Pillinger back and he calls Dorverston back. Pillinger sits on settle, and Dorverston leans on balustrade. Well, Audley, the painful discovery I allude to was this. After returning home last night, I had occasion to visit the kitchen in order to speak to Cook for a moment. While doing so, I heard a mysterious noise. I investigated its origin, and found Captain Dorverston concealed in the broom cupboard. He was unable to give me any lucid explanation. I now leave the matter in your hands. Slight pause. I don't know whether it's much good me saying anything, is it, sir? Pillinger rises. I 
think otherwise. Dorverston surprised. I shall be very happy to hear anything you care to tell me. Appearances are often misleading. But, Audley, surely... Hannah, the matter has now been submitted to my judgment. I shall not approach it in a spirit of carping doubt. If our dear friend can give us his personal assurance that the whole thing was, uh, a little joke, for instance. A little joke? If he could tell us that in concealing himself in the uh, <coughs> broom cupboard, he had an idea of um, jumping out suddenly and startling somebody by saying, Boo! Uh, not you particularly, but Cook, or Keziah, or myself. You? What would you be doing in the kitchen? Uh, no, that, that is so. But still, though I deprecate practical joking as a rule, I should consider the explanation as not being without a certain measure of antecedent plausibility. You appear to be putting words into Captain Dorverston's mouth. No, pardon me. I merely say that such a line of defence would carry conviction to an unbiased mind. The army is proverbially a light-hearted profession. Well, sir, I'm afraid I can't exactly say that. There! In any case, Hannah, our friend Dorveston is Lucy's responsibility. Leans on mantle. At all events, Cook is yours. Eh? Hmm? Yes? You will, of course, ring the bell and discharge her. I really think we should um, endeavour to avoid any... Miss Pillinger rises. Her continued presence in the house would be an insult to me. Pillinger loudly. To avoid any appearance of temper. Do you hear me, Hannah? Of temper. Dorveston coming to Miss Pillinger. Upon my soul, ma'am, Cook hadn't anything to do with it. I was there against her wish. Pillinger crossing to centre. Surely that is a most convincing testimony. I know last night things didn't look quite square, but whatever fault there was, was my fault. Precisely, no doubt. The men look at each other. I was chatting to Cook. It was a stupid thing to do, but there was no harm in it. None whatever, I feel sure. In fact, the Governor knows there wasn't. How should my brother know? Mm, tut, tut. How? Why, because he was in the law... Pause. Miss Pillinger stares. Both men stare at each other with their mouths open. Pillinger eagerly. I was sure to take a broad-minded view. Doubtless that is our friend's meaning. Yes, that is what I meant. It got late, and I heard you coming, ma'am, and I know you're a bit strict, don't you know? Quite so. And as I was supposed to be seedy, I thought you'd take my being there the wrong way, don't you see? So I nipped into the broom cupboard. Don't you understand? Crosses up back. Pillinger crosses to top of table. To a moderately impartial intelligence, the whole thing is as clear as day, and really reflects discredit on no one. Is it your intention to say nothing to Cook on the subject? I think we should give her... To understand that careful investigation has tended to modify our original misconception 
of the true facts of the case. Miss Pillinger rising. Then, Audley, I have this to say. Crosses to right. Gandhi enters left. Gandhi at top of steps. I've just found a gent in a dry ditch at the end of the garden. Pillinger pause. A gent in the ditch? Dorverston crosses to balustrade. What gent? <laughs> uh, gentleman. He was asleep and I shook him. He grunted and I shook him again. He says his name's Crail and he'd like to see you. Crail? To Dorverston. That is the person who called on you yesterday. Yes, I know him. He wished to see me? To Gandhi. He said so. Show him in. Gandhi goes out, Dorverston crosses left. Surely a most singular circumstance. Why did he go to sleep in my ditch? Miss Pillinger crosses up to top of window. I suppose, as he's an acquaintance of mine, he thought he wouldn't object. He must be very eccentric. Crosses to right corner. Yes, he's a rum sort of chap. Gandhi enters, followed by Crail, who looks rather dilapidated. Mr. Crail. At top of steps he goes out. Crail is at top of steps. Good morning. At top of steps. Good morning. Crail to Dorverston. How are you? Crosses down and puts hat on settle. How are you? Think I'll sit down. Crosses right. Feel rather shaky. He sits left of table. Dorverston is standing with his back to the fireplace. By all means. Indicating Miss Pillinger. My sister. Oh. He nods carelessly. But, my dear sir. Sits right. I understand you passed the night, or some portion of it, in uh, <coughs> the ditch? Piers, I did. But how did you get there? How the devil should I know? Tut, tut. I must have been sprung last night. That's about the size of it. I seem to recollect somebody picking me up and then chucking me down again like a sack of coals. To Pillinger. It wasn't you, was it? Certainly not. But you seem to be shivering. May I offer you anything? Miss Pillinger from back of table, coming down a little. A hot cup of tea? Ah, uh, tea be damned. Tut. Miss Pillinger is shocked and goes up. No, I should like a hair of the dog that bit me. Pillinger rises excitedly and leans over table. Bitten by a dog? Good heavens! My dear sir, the place should be cauterized at once. No time should be lost. Oh, don't be such an ass. I mean, whiskey. Looking closely at Pillinger. What's that on your face? What is it? What's that filthy black thing crawling over your face? Ah, uh, uh, you probably... What is it? Loudly, rises excitedly. Why the devil don't you tell me what it is? A slight accident in shaving. My razor is somewhat out of condition. Merely sticking plaster. Oh. Subsiding. Ah, uh, thought it was a spider. I want to talk to you. Yes? Sits. Want to say a word or two about your cook? Dorverston makes a slight movement. Miss Pillinger crosses down to chair. Indeed. I suppose you didn't know much about her when you took her, did you? No. Anna, permit me. In answer to your inquiry, 
I may say, we obtained the highest testimonials from the Duchess of Sturton. Oh, yes, that's all right. Uh, they're pals. All start. Did she tell you your cook was married? Married? Hannah, Hannah. No, sir, she did not. Well, she is. Did she say she was a well-known society woman who wasn't living with her husband? Good gracious! Her grace did not mention the fact. If it is a fact... It is. You may lay your shirt on it. That ain't quite the sort of party you want in your kitchen, is it? Now, I happen to know the husband and be willing to overlook the past, uh, and uh, take her back again. Uh, uh really? Uh, he's a good-natured beggar, and he don't bear malice. He put it to her, but she's an obstinate devil. She didn't listen to reason. Now, it struck me that as you're a magpie... Tot! A magpie? Uh, uh beg pardon... I mean, as you are a parson, with your eye on the marriage service, those who haven't joined, and all that kind of thing, you might see your way to chuckin' her out, neck and crop, without a character. Do you see? And so bring her to a sense of duty. Really, Audley, there is something to be said for this gentleman's suggestion. Whatever course it may ultimately be desirable for me to adopt, I shall require more definite information than I at present possess as to the intentions and <coughs> general identity of the alleged husband. You can have it. I'm her husband. You? Miss Pillinger also conveys surprise. Yes, you ask her. She'll admit she's been married all right. I'll ring for her at once. Makes movement, rises and crosses to left. Crayle hastily. Hold hard. Stop that, old woman. Miss Pillinger pauses. I don't want to see her. There wouldn't be any good in that. The meeting would be painful all round. Rising. No, you do what I say. Tell her to pack up her traps and go. And then my arms will be open to her. Miss Pillinger returns and sits. Good morning. Crosses centre. Crail goes left. Dorveston intercepts him. You're not leaving us? Yes, I am. I think not. What do you mean? I suppose I can go when I like. Moves forward. You will go when I like, and before you do, you've got to face the lady you've just been trying to injure. Sit down there. Pointing to settle. And don't move, or I shall hurt you. Crayle hesitates. Sit down. Crayle sits sulkily. Now, I'm going to ring the bell, and Mr. Pillinger will send for Mrs. Crail. But if you try to get away, I shall probably hurt you rather badly. Do you follow me? Yes. That's all right. Crosses and rings bell. To Mr. Pillinger. Sorry to take the business out of your hands, sir, but we've got to see it through, don't you know? I think it would undoubtedly be desirable. Gandhi enters. Will you ask Mrs... Uh, uh, I mean, um, a kindly informed cook. We should like to speak to her. Gandhi goes out. Miss Pillinger sits. Long pause, during which no one moves. Uh... Wonderful how the uh, uh, fine weather lasts. Another pause, then Caroline enters in outdoor costume. She is putting on her gloves. She comes down the steps and advances quietly to the table. 
You have something to say to me? Yes, we have. That is fortunate, because I have something to say to you. Pillinger. Miss Pillinger makes to speak. Anna, you will greatly oblige me by remaining silent. We wished, cook. Caroline near chair centre. Pardon me, Mr. Pillinger. I have no longer any claim to that title. I beg to hand in my resignation. You contemplate leaving us? Yes, I have sent for a fly. Audley, since this lady objects to be referred to as cook, I think you should address her by her name. Her real name. Caroline glancing at Miss Pillinger. I doubt if you know it. We are better informed than you imagine, Mrs. Cryle. Oh, that's it. Pillinger rises. My dear madam, pray believe the, uh, <coughs> uh, somewhat startling information came to us unsought. Our information was that gentleman. Points to Crail. What gentleman? Dorverston to Crail. You can stand up now. Crail rises and crosses down left centre, and advances a step or two. Cook turns and sees him. I see. Slight pause. Well, what has he told you? This gentleman came here this morning to beg us... To turn me out? Be that as it may, he is anxious to make an appeal to his, I fear, misguided wife. Is he indeed? I've been telling him I want you to come back. Man can't say more, can he? What else did he tell you? He mentioned you were a well-known woman in society, and that you have been living apart from your husband. Quite so. Was that all he said? I think that embraced the whole of Mr. Crail's statement. Up to a certain point, he told the truth. I did marry him some years ago. You concealed the fact when you entered our service. It wasn't a thing I felt inclined to boast of. As he was so confidential, it seems odd he forgot to tell you we were recently divorced. Divorced? There is one other thing. I think it is only fair you should know what a distinguished individual you have been entertaining in the person of Mr. Crail. Keep your infernal tongue between your teeth. This gentleman? I shan't stay here to be baited and badgered. Going. Dorverston advancing. You'll stay where you are. This gentleman is Lord Huntworth. I am, I was, Lady Huntworth. All convey astonishment. Last night, Lord Huntworth dropped in the kitchen a letter. It was from a firm of solicitors. Crail putting his hand to his breast pocket. Damn! Telling him I inherited a large sum of money. Lord Huntworth is rather hard up just now. There is nothing unusual in the circumstance, but I mention it because it explains the reason of his generous offer to condone the past. Pause. Here is your letter. Producing it. You needn't trouble to answer it. I shall call on Messrs. Brampton and Stokes in the course of the day. Crail snatches the letter. I don't think we need to detain you any longer, need we? Crail turns for hat left, snarls at Dorverston and exits up steps. Caroline watches him off. Is it actually the case that you are the Lady Huntworth? Caroline turns to the Pillingers. Yes, I am the Lady Huntworth who is so widely and so unfavourably known. Turns to Dorverston. Would you oblige me by ringing the bell, Captain Dorverston? Certainly. He does so. Caroline again speaking to the Pillingers. If I thought there was even a chance that you could understand my doing what I have done, I would try to make it clear to you. But you couldn't. I should only waste your time and my own. Gandhi enters. Gandhi, has the fly come? It has. Thanks. Goodbye. She holds out her hand. He takes it respectfully. We've been good friends, haven't we? We have. Serving with you has been a honour. Exit. Caroline smiling and to the Pillingers. Mr. Pillinger. He rises. You have done everything in your power to render my little experiment a pleasant one. I am grateful, and if your thoughts should ever turn in my direction, I hope you will let your mind dwell on the excellence of my curried chicken rather on the supposed hopelessness of my moral character. 
Goodbye. Pillinger bows sadly. Goodbye. Sits disconsolate. Cook nods to Mr. Pillinger pleasantly, then turns and gives a very stately bow to Miss Pillinger, who stiffly returns it. Cook then goes left, but pauses as she mounts the steps and speaks to Dorverston. We have already taken leave of each other, but it has occurred to me that perhaps you might care to let me hear from you. I am leaving for England for some time, but that address will find me. Gives a card to him. Post restant Brussels. Post restant Brussels. Yes. Goodbye. Dorverston with a sigh. Goodbye. Sits down on settle. She goes out. After she has gone, Dorverston sits pensively on the settle. There is a pause. All three sit staring at nothing. Then Gandhi enters with newspapers at window. He goes to Pillinger. Gandhi crosses to right to Pillinger. Standard. Pillinger takes it but allows it to drop by his side. Gandhi then crosses to Miss Pillinger. Church times. He then crosses to Dorverston and hands him the other paper. Sporting life. Pillinger and Dorverston pick up the papers and try to read. Miss Dorverston reads. Gandhi goes up two steps, then turns. How about dinner? Eh? What? How about dinner? Don't dare allude to it. Rises and sits at exit. Get out of the room. Rises and sits at exit. Gandhi goes out. The two men open their papers firmly and begin to read. Lucy enters at window, followed nervously by Thorsby. Lucy dragging him into centre. Lucy is left centre, Thorsby right centre. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Pillinger not looking up. Good morning. Dorverston doing the same. Good morning. I've brought Mr Thorsby with me. Good day, Mr Thorsby. He bows, Dorverston not looking round. Ah, Thorsby. Thorsby bows, Dorverston not looking round. How are you, Thorsby? Thorsby bows once more. We've just been married. What? All rise and throw down papers. Dorverston immediately takes Bradshaw off mantle and sits on settle looking out trains. Uncle, it wasn't Harry's doing, so if you feel riled, you must pitch into me. I'm responsible. Harry hated the deception all through, didn't you? I... All right, don't interrupt. We started early, biked over to Ingleen Church, did the trick, rode back, and we want everybody's blessing and a good breakfast. As you are practically independent of my control... I fear I have no power to behold the blessing. The good breakfast may be less easily obtained. Why? Cook has left us. Crosses up to desk right, kicking the papers from his feet viciously as he goes. Oh, I'm sorry. She got up early and made us some coffee. Takes hat upright centre. Then she knew... Of course she did. I told her. She would naturally take a prominent part in any duplicity. Crossing to window, Thorsby goes up after her to make his peace. That's all rot. She was a real good sort. A long way better than most of us. She goes to Dorverston. Jack, old boy. Yes, little woman. Sitting left looking at Bradshaw. You're the only one that matters. I cared for Harry, and you didn't care for me, did you? Tell me you didn't, or I shall hate myself. You'd have married me and tried to look pleasant, but it would have taken you all your time. Now, Jack, I want to hear you take your oath you don't mind. Dorverston rises. Mind? Rings bell, returns, and takes Lucy by both hands. My dear child... 
you don't know what a turn you've done me by throwing me over for a better man mind crosses to thoresby claps him on the shoulder my dear thoresby i wish you all the luck you could wish yourself and you'll get it a chap who could carry out a thing of this kind in such an exceptional way as all the makings of a future bishop gandhi enters pack my things at once i must catch the eleven fifteen to town gandhi goes out going to leave us dorveston crosses to lucy i must little woman but i won't forget to send you a wedding present silver mug no that's later lucy crosses to thoresby u b to pillinger good-bye sir pillinger rises and they shake hands across the table he then sits again keep your head up and your liver active good-bye dorveston to miss pillinger good-bye ma'am i mean to be quite respectable by the time we meet again they shake hands i hope so dorveston to thoresby good-bye young fellow give this little filly her head and she won't want the whip crosses left of lucy and the others good-bye little woman kisses her god bless you kisses her runs up steps good-bye dear old boy leans over balustrade he is going you let us hear from you yes runs up steps where will a letter find you dorveston hastily taking out card and looking at it turns to her post restaurant brussels as he goes off the curtain falls end of act three end of lady huntsworth's experiment by r c carton